Well, it's an honor to be here. I mean that from the bottom of my heart. It's, a, it's always a privilege to be in Oklahoma City, Southwest Baptist Church. This church began making a difference in my life a long time ago. And, uh, and, it, and, and I, don't, I, I don't know. I'm not here and I don't hear anything, but I'm just here at Southwest Baptist Church to encourage you. Thank you for your constant investment in these young people. Only eternity is going to tell, you know, the outcome and the investment and the fruit and, and all that God did to, to use this church in the lives of all these young people. Thank you. Thank you. In fact, when I was in Bible college, Brother Sam Davison was the BB5 president and he came on campus. And I'll never forget, it was in chapel, I believe, one day. And he, and he handed a, the president at the time a check for $100,000, just wanting to invest in in the Bible college that I was going to. And, and man, it meant a lot to me as a student that a pastor would care, you know, about, and, and I, it's not about me, but about the education that I was receiving and help offset the cost of that. And, and so Southwest Baptist Church is making a difference back in the early 90s in, in my life. And so it's just an honor and privilege to be here. And I uh, ran into a brother Chris, uh, me and brother Chris were freshmen together same dorm, same floor, and, and had some memories there. Just a wonderful how the Lord allows our paths to cross again. It's a blessing. I was with your pastor a couple of weeks ago at a 25th, we uh, not wedding, uh, anniversary service at Iglesia Bautista Fundamental in Hereford, Texas. And, and uh, it was a celebration and he preached and just did a phenomenal job. Honestly, a masterful job. And I encouraged the people and the pastor and it was just a privilege to see him minister there and so thankful for him and his family and his testimony and friendship. It's a blessing. In fact, the other day, this haircut is almost two weeks old. I know that doesn't mean anything to you, but I like hair. Uh, I need to cover up as much of this and distract as much as I can from what's going on right here. And so thank you for affirming. And so, and so they, I mean, this girl, I mean, I, I, I know your pastor's into barbers. I'm into deals. And when I get a coupon for $5.99, you get what you pay for, but I don't care. When you got seven kids, you do what you got to do. And so I, 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 I do coupons. I don't care where I get my hair cut. Just I walk into some really strange places. I'm like, well, I've got the coupon here. And so, so this girl said, well, what do you do? I said, well, it's two on the sides, finger length on top. And so, I mean, when she got done, I didn't have any hair left. It was bad. And uh, I went out the car. My wife just looked at me. She gave me that look like, oh boy. And, uh, and if you're married, you know, you've had that look, I'm sure at one time or another. And, and she goes, man, that's an ugly version of brother Gaddis. And I thought, it's kind of hurt my feelings a little bit. So that's a compliment to you. It's just, I'm the ugly version. So glad to be here. John chapter 14, if you're able to stand in honor of the reading of God's word, John chapter 14. I entitled this preoccupation with oneself. I don't think I have to spend any time and I'm not going to, to convince us that we're selfish. The Bible even says to love your neighbor as yourself. Why? Because we're preoccupied with ourselves. We're full of ourselves. I was at the Iowa State Fair. My nephew got married in, in Des Moines, Iowa. So we went to the wedding and I was at the fair and, and this Vitamix salesman caught us and, and our whole family's walking through and they caught us and he says, hey, let me show you what this thing will do. And so he starts mixing all this stuff together and in just a few seconds, I mean, he had a, a vitamin mix drink and, and I mean, literally a few couple of minutes more, he had a, a, an ice cream dessert. 
In about two minutes more, he had a soup. I mean, it's a pretty amazing machine. And so, but the point is, he, he's, he's mixing all of this up and, and he's talking to my family. There, there's about six or eight of us there. And uh, there's more than that, but there, six or eight had stopped. And, uh, and so he's, he's explaining this machine and all that it'll do and, and, and explaining to us what he's making and what he's putting into this. And so, I mean, when he gets done, he starts pouring it into these little glasses and, and it's human nature. It's just human nature. This, this is the way we are. Everyone within a 150 foot radius swarmed the place. They didn't listen to him give the sales pitch. They didn't stand there and listen to him give us all the details about a machine we're not going to buy. But when it came to the free drink, they all swarmed in. And I'm like, man, this is, I mean, I almost, it did. It made me mad. I'm like, come on. I'm kind of a just guy. You know, I stood here. I deserve one of those drinks and they swarm in. I'm like, that is human nature. That is the way all of us are. Now we may be more controlled by the spirit. I hope we are. But that's our nature. And so when I, I was reading through this the other day and, and boy, this just verse, verse 28 popped out, stood out to me. The Lord used it in my own heart. I hope it will be a help to you. John 14, verse 28. You have heard, this is Jesus obviously talking. You have heard how I said unto you, I go away and come again unto you. And so in other words, what he's saying is, I've, I've already told you this. More than one time I've told you this. If you loved me, if you loved me, if you loved me, you would rejoice because I said, I go into the father for my father is greater than I. I I'm just going to give you a nutshell of what's going on. The fact of the matter is Jesus is trying to get something across to his disciples and they're so preoccupied with themselves. They're not hearing a thing he's saying. And he says, and, and what caught my attention is if you loved me, you'd rejoice that I get to go back to my dad. It's where I came from. But you're so preoccupied with yourself, you can't see beyond your own needs. Father, I pray in the next few minutes that you just help, Lord, us to understand what you're communicating to us. Lord, I pray that you'd open our hearts and minds to truth. And Lord, I pray that my mind would be clear and be able to communicate just a simple, simple thought Lord, that you've given. I pray that it be a help to the students as they start a semester. God, help them to see beyond themselves. And not tonight, but Lord, to learn to live a lifetime beyond themselves. Well, thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you so much. You may be seated. This is an old illustration, but I just thought it made the point. Years ago, there was a very wealthy man who with his devoted son shared a passion for art collecting. So together, they traveled around the world, adding only the finest art treasures to their collection. Priceless works by Picasso, Van Gogh, Monet, and many others adorned the walls of the family estate. As winter approached, war engulfed their nation, and the young man left to serve his country. After only a few short weeks, his father received a telegram. His beloved son was missing in action. He anxiously awaited more news, fearing he would never see his son again. But within days, his fears were confirmed. His son had been killed while serving. Distraught and lonely, the father faced the Christmas holidays with anguish and sadness. The joy of the season, a season that he and his son had so looked forward to, would visit his house no longer. It was their favorite holiday and they enjoyed the time. And on this particular Christmas morning after the loss of his son, there was a knock on the door. And as he opened the door, he was greeted by a soldier with a large package in his hand. 
He introduced himself to the man by saying, I was a friend of your son. He said, I was the one he was rescuing when he died. May I come in for just a few moments? I have something to show you. And as the two began to talk, the soldier told of how his dad, he told his dad of how his son talked about his dad's love for art and their love for art and their collection that they had come up with together over a process of time. He said, I'm an artist. He said, he, the soldier told the dad, and I want to give you this. And so the father unwrapped the package. It was a portrait of his son. Now, though the world would never consider it a work of genius, the painting featured the young man's face in striking detail. Overcome with emotion, the man thanked the soldier, promising to hang the picture over the fireplace, the most prominent place in the estate. During the days and weeks that followed, the man realized that even though his son was no longer with him, the boy's life would live on because of those he had touched. He learned that his son had rescued dozens of wounded soldiers before his life was taken. The following spring, the man became ill and passed away. According to the will of the old man, all the artworks would be auctioned on Christmas Day, the day he had received his greatest gift, the portrait of his son. So the day arrived, art collectors from around the world gathered to bid on some of the world's most spectacular paintings. Dreams would be fulfilled. Greatness would be achieved by obtaining some of the world's finest art. The auction began with a painting that was not on any museum's list. It was the painting of the man's son. The auctioneer asked for an opening bid and the room went silent. Who will open the bidding with $100, he asked. Moments passed and no one spoke. From the back of the room came, who cares about the painting? It's just a picture of a boy. Let's forget it and let's get on to the good stuff. Of course, more voices echoed in agreement. No, the auctioneer said, we have to sell this one first. Now, who will take the son? Finally, a friend of the old man spoke. Will you take $10 for the painting? He said, that's all I have. That's all I brought. I knew the family. I knew the boys. Good boy. He goes, I'd like to have it. So the auctioneer said, I have $10. Will anyone go higher? Called the auctioneer. After more silence, the auctioneer said, going once, going twice, gone. The gavel fell. Cheers filled the room. And someone exclaimed, now we can get on with the auction and bid on the real treasures. Now think with me. Jesus has had this lengthy conversation with the disciples over some pretty grand truths. You're going to face some difficult circumstances, but he says, let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God, that's his person. Believe in God's place, that's heaven. I go to prepare a place for you. Believe in God's promises. And if I go, I'm gonna come again and take you where I'm at. It's a promise from God. These are grand truths when we believe what Jesus is informing us and get our eyes off of ourselves. Not surprisingly, a question arises about not understanding the way he's referring to. Let's be honest, someone's not listening to Jesus. Let me interpret this for you. His question is, yeah, but what about me? We don't know the way. Let me interpret that. I don't know the way. And of course, he did. If he was preoccupied with Jesus, he wouldn't have any questions because Jesus is the truth. He already had the truth. And Jesus affirms that they know the way because they know him. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. Unbelievably, another question arises. It seems absurd. It's show us the father and we'll then believe it. I'm telling you, it's Burger King religion. I want it my way. I hear what you're saying, 
but you need to do it my way, God. You know, you, you, you need to show us the Father. If you want us to believe you, show us the Father. And Jesus' response to me is astounding. He says, look, you, you got to believe my words. And if you don't want to believe the words, if for anything, believe the works. Do you remember the blind that received sight, the deaf that gave, were given their hearing, the, the leper that was cleansed, the dead that were raised? I mean, if you can't believe what I'm saying, at least believe what I've done. Why am I having to confirm this over and over and over again? Get your eyes off yourself. That's what Jesus is saying. Don't allow your hearts to be troubled. I'm sending you the Holy Spirit, the comforter, another of the same kind. It's hard for us to wrap our minds around, but the fact of the matter is what Jesus was saying is, look, I'm going away, but the Spirit of God is coming, the, the Holy Spirit of God, the comforter, and he's just like me. It's one God. It's the same person. It's the Spirit of God. It's hard to wrap our minds around the Trinity, but, the, but it was God. He was coming. He was still going to be with them, just as real as Jesus was. Dear disciples, he says, if, if you'll love me, I'll manifest myself to you. You keep loving me. You keep following me. You keep seeking me. I'm going to manifest myself to you. you. Keep loving me and I'm going to show myself to you in more and more ways and deeper and deeper matters. First Corinthians 2, 9. But, at, but as it is written, I have not seen nor ear heard, neither have entered in the heart of man the things which God hath prepared for them that love him. That's what Jesus was saying. Look, if you'll love me, I'm going to manifest myself to you. I'm going to open myself up to you and you're going to learn more and more and more about me if you'll just love me. That's a grand truth. It's a wonderful truth. I'm not just leaving my peace with you. I'm giving it to you. It's not a mystery. You're not going to search for it. You don't have to go find it. You're not going to have to, hey, look, after you've been saved for two years, you finally get the peace of God. No, I'm giving it to you. And by the way, it's not like the world's. It's much better. Don't let your heart be troubled. Neither let it be afraid. Again, what he is saying is the world's idea of peace is you exist with no trouble, no problems whatsoever. And Jesus said, I'm going to give you my peace. He also said in the world, you're going to have trouble. That tells me that the peace of God is greater than the troubles that we deal with in this world as a gift from God. Hey, that's a grand truth. That's a great truth. Wrap your mind around what Jesus is saying. Verse 28 you have heard how I said unto you. You've heard how I said unto you. He said, I've already said this. That's what he's saying. Jesus has to reemphasize the same truths to the disciples. You know, I said I have to go away, but I will come to you again. Right. Same thing. I'm telling you the same thing again. You know what I have said to you multiple times. You're so preoccupied with yourself that you cannot enjoy the truths that I'm giving you. Listen to what I'm saying. Get your eyes off of yourself and pay attention to what I'm saying. I am surrounding you with the truth of Almighty God. And yet you can't get past yourself. What Jesus says next reveals the heart of the conversation. He says, if you love me, you would rejoice because I said I'm going to my father. That's an indictment. Now, I believe they loved him. 
Their love was still not as pure as it should have been. It was still preoccupied with themselves and their fears and their concerns. Let, let me interpret what's taking place in John 14. You said, let not your heart be troubled. Why should my heart be troubled? Because he's gonna go prepare some place. Well, then if you go and prepare a place, what am I gonna do? In other words, I don't care what you said. I care what I think. It's a preoccupation with yourself. They were worried about their own grief with his departure, that they hadn't even considered that Jesus was going to get to return to his own dad. In other words, they were so preoccupied with themselves that they were unable to enjoy the great truths that Jesus was informing them. Hence, if you love me, you'd be glad for me. So they still weren't grasping what Jesus was going to go through on his way to the Father. Now, now just you have to stay with me for a minute. And it seems as if they didn't care because all they thought about was, but, but what about me? Jesus knows what's coming. Jesus was on his way to a cruel cross. He was on his way to be beaten beyond recognition, Isaiah 56. I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I hid not my face from shame and spitting, Isaiah 52, 14. As many as were astonished at thee, his visage was so marred more than any man in his form, more than the sons of men. We know what that means. You couldn't recognize him. He didn't look like a man. And I'm not being unkind or cruel or disrespectful. It says his face went through a meat grinder. Isaiah 53 in verse three, he is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid as it were our faces from him. He was despised, he was esteemed and we esteemed him not. Surely he hath borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. We know that they scourged him. We know that they placed a crown of thorns on his brow and beat it down with a rod. We know they buffeted him. We know they slapped his face. We know they pierced his side. We know that they nailed him to a cross. This is what we know. The disciples didn't have a clue of the details, but Jesus was trying to tell them what was taking place and the hope that they would have in spite of it. And they were so concerned about how I feel and what's going to happen to me. They weren't listening to a word that Jesus was saying. And they're missing the blessing. Now, Jesus knew all that would transpire over the next few moments of his life. He had set the disciples up for complete and total success. It wasn't just the physical suffering, though. He would become sin. He would face the judgment of God. He would be left alone. Psalm 22, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me? And from the words of my roaring, Dad, where are you? I know we know the truth, Mark 15, 34. And at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice saying, Elo, Elo, Lamet Sabachthani, which is being interpreted, my God, my God, why has thou forsaken me? 
Here's the creator of all things, fixing to face off with evil, fixing to become what he knew nothing about, fixing to have his father's back turned on him, fixing to lay his life down for, for the sins of those he's conversing with. Hebrews 12, two, now think with me. It says, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Look, th th this is what we have to understand, <clears throat> that our vision, our understanding, our comprehension of our own lives needs to be seen through the eyes of Almighty God. Not through the limited understanding and vision of ourselves. God is saying, look, I know what you're going to go through. I know what you're going to deal with. I know what I'm going to deal with, but I know what happens on the other side. But you have to listen. He, he knew what he was going to endure. He also knew where it would lead. Well, what do you mean? Well, he's going to his father. We know that. That's a benefit. But 2 Corinthians chapter 5, and verse 21, for he hath made him to be sin for us who knew no sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. He knew, he knew. Now, now, now again, I know that they didn't, they, they couldn't comprehend every detail, but the fact of the matter is they weren't listening. I am going to my dad and on my way to my father, I'm going to go, I'm going to my dad by way of the cross. And by way of the cross is going to give you everything you need. Just listen to me. I've taken care of everything. The price is all going to be paid. But they won't listen. Part of the joy was where he was going and what it would accomplish. He was thinking about them. Well, they were thinking about them. What about me? And Jesus was saying, if you could get your eyes off of yourself, you could enjoy what I've not only promised you, but I've already given you. But, but here we are. I, I know, but I want happiness. I want more blessings. I want a new car. I want a better job. We're the biggest babies. Now, hang, I, and I'm being honest. I'm not making life. How would you like to live in Afghanistan right now and claim Jesus Christ? It's possible. There's someone here going, how long is this going to go? Here's what's hard for me to communicate. But you already have Jesus, sir and ma'am. And with him comes everything we need if we just pay attention to the truths of the Bible. Psalm 68, 19, blessed be the Lord who daily loadeth us with benefits, even the God of our salvation. I, I, forgive me, did you hear what I just, I mean, did you hear what the Bible just said? Well, how, I, I don't recognize daily loadeth. That sounds like a lot. Are you breathing? He hadn't knocked you out. He hadn't taken your life. I'm just telling you, we're living by the grace and mercy of Almighty God. Every breath we take, every step we take. But we're not listening. 
We're not paying attention. The Bible says in Lamentations 3, this I recall to my mind, therefore have I hope. Is the Lord's mercies that were not consumed because his compassions fell not. They're new every morning. Great is thy faithfulness. If you were up, you shouldn't have been. But at midnight last night, as the, cross, as the clock passed over to another day, his mercies were made new again. And you know why they were? If they weren't, we'd be consumed. That's what the scripture says. But we're not listening. Now, I'll get to some other application in a moment, but Psalm 121:4, behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. Did you know he's always watching? He's always awake. He knows everything, everywhere you go, everything you do. You, you, you don't ever get out of his. Hey, we're, we're, the Bible says we're exposed. We're naked before him of who we have to do. He's always there. Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work and you will perform into the day of Jesus Christ. I've got good news for you. What he began, he's going to finish. Well, I don't understand what he's doing. You don't have to understand everything. Listen to what he said. He loves you. There's a purpose. There's a plan. He's working in your life. Just listen to him. Submit to him. Matthew 28, 20, and lo, I am with you always, even at the end of the world. All the promises of scripture are at our fingertips. So, so, so it's not a point, but a thought. We're surrounded by his promises. First Timothy 6, 8, and having food and raiment, let us be there with content. I, I just thought through notes I can hardly read. I, I write like a chicken, but I, I'm just trying to jot down things about college. I remember going to college. I'm not that old. I, I remember how exciting it is to go back. And, and I, I remember what it is to stand in registration and, and receive those, the class schedules. And I remember the, the agony of 7.30 classes. And, and all I'm saying is here, here, there's some students here tonight that are, I got 7.30 class. And that's all you can think about. You, you're, you're upset about having to get up earlier. You're preoccupied with how you feel and the schedule you want, ignoring the fact that God has sustained you and enabled you to even be at a place like this. And you want to whine about 730 classes. I could pull my hair out. What's left? Well, I know, but you don't understand, preacher. I, I didn't get the dorm I wanted. You have a place to stay? Some kind of resources to even be at a place like this? And you didn't get the address you wanted? Are you kidding me? You're ignoring everything that God has done, every work that he's done to bring you to this place and supply and enable the sacrifice people have made, your home church, your pastor, your parents, your friends, your cousins, your aunts, your, whoever's worked in your life to get you to this place and you didn't get the dorm you wanted. You're ignoring everything that God is doing around you because you didn't get what you wanted. I'm just telling you, we're pitiful. 
Well, I, I, well, I know, but I, I have three roommates. There's like four of us in one little room. It's, it's okay. I left the hotel and drove under the bridge at Western and 240. There's some places down there for you. Plenty of roommates. Plenty of room. I'm not being sarcastic. My heart, I, I, I looked at my wife and said, we don't have any problems. All I'm saying is we are surrounded by God's goodness. Covered in his goodness. And because we have one little point that we wanted, we're so self-absorbed and preoccupied with what we want, we ignore everything around us that God has done. Surrounded by divine appointments. God sovereignly placed you for you to get over yourself and minister to those people around. Did, did you think for a second, did you think for a second that a God that spoke everything to existence might've put you in a room because there's some things that need to be knocked off of you. And there's some things in other people's lives that he wants you to put in them. Did you even think or did you get, you could never get past your preoccupation with there's four of you in a room. Let me remind you what Jesus said. If you love me, you'd rejoice with me that I'm going to my father. Opportunity missed. Because Jesus, I don't care about you. I care about me. Have you not figured out there's almost 8 billion people on the face of the earth? You're not the only one. That God has a purpose and a plan for your life. Charles Spurgeon said, you'll never know the fullness of Christ until you know the emptiness of everything else but Christ. So you think having three roommates will make your life better. No, it won't. Only Christ will. The auctioneer looked at the audience and announced the auction was over. Stunned, disbelieved, quieted the room. Someone spoke up and asked, what do you mean it's over? We didn't come here for a picture of some old man's son. What about all the other paintings? There's millions of dollars of art here. I demand you give us an explanation of what's taken place. And the auctioneer replied, it's very simple. According to the will of the father, whoever takes the son gets it all. See, if the disciples would have listened, they were surrounded by God's words, his blessings, his supply. And they would have rejoiced with those that rejoice. But they were so preoccupied with themselves, they were missing all that God had done, was doing, and would do. They also added to Jesus' burden because he would go to the Father rejoicing alone.
missed opportunity. You're never fulfilled serving yourself. You're only fulfilled when you serve Christ and by doing that, serving others. Get your eyes off of yourself. Let's all stand. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, as we come before you, we're thankful for the Bible and Lord, how it helps us. Lord, I, I know when I read the passage of Scripture, I, I saw my own face. How much I can complain about what I wanted and miss all that you've done. And Father, the looking at myself, I miss so many opportunities that are divinely given. And there you get to return back to where you came from. And as a man, that would have been a big deal. And yet they couldn't even rejoice. Too in love with themselves. Help us to learn. We'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.